Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. On today's episode of Foresight Friday Roundup, we're going to talk about home care. Home care, obviously, is becoming more important as some people are staying home, even when they think they're having a heart attack or a stroke. So we're going to talk about hospital at home programs, the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic is having on home care innovation, and what home care may look like five years from now. Telling us all about it from their homes are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Gary Bisbee, co-founder of the Health Management Academy. Dave, Gary, how are you guys doing on this last Friday in September? Well, you know, 2020 has been such a strange year in so many ways, uh, but I'm enjoying all the playoffs. You've got hockey, basketball, and baseball all going on at the same time, which has certainly never happened before. Gary, how about you? I'm uh, happy it's Friday. I'm not happy it's the end of September. So that's my conclusion on the matter. <laughs> All right. All right. The, uh, before we talk about home care, let me ask you about uh, your experiences with home care. Uh, Dave, have you ever uh, used any type of home care service? Uh, not really, other than the occasional medicinal drink that I prepare myself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I, what I probably will need home care for is what I call the uh, Groundhog Day disease, which uh, where every day feels like the day before and the day and day before that. So we'll we'll see. Got it, uh, Gary. How about you? Have you uh, ever used any home care service? Well, well, I haven't used it personally, but. My 103-year-old mother, who just had her birthday uh, last week, by the way, uh, before we put her in the assisted living facility, we did use uh, some home care services for her, and it worked out very well. Uh, In that case, she had no interest in leaving her home and going to an assisted living facility, and so we were able to keep her at home probably for another five years through home care. So in our case, worked out very well. Great, great, thanks. Uh, I, again, I haven't myself, but we did use a home hospice program years ago when my dad was sick and they just did a terrific job for him. And uh, I just can't say enough about it. So a very, very positive experience. Well, let's talk more about home care. Uh, Dave, we're hearing a lot about hospital at home programs. Uh, can you tell us kind of what they are, you know, how they work, and I, I guess more importantly, you know, why we're hearing more about them? Healthcare is a mature industry from a services perspective, but immature from an organizational perspective. So, what do I mean by that? Uh, in at least 80% of healthcare interactions, we know what needs to be done, therefore, very mature from a services perspective. And when industries mature, they typically decentralize to lower costs, get closer to customers, and increase convenience. And that's certainly happening in healthcare, and the accelerating home care movement is part of this industry's maturation process. At the same time, healthcare is immature from an organizational perspective in its continued reliance on high-cost centralized delivery models, you know, think hospitals. Uh, That's created a vacuum that home health companies are seeking to fill. We know that more effective home care is possible and happening right now. We know that consumers want it. And that's why home care is hot. 
We also know that home care works. Uh, patients recover faster, have fewer complications, costs are at least a third lower and going down. So why does this happen? And the answer is, is really simple. Home is where the health is. It's familiar terrain. Patients sleep better. They get home cooking. They move around earlier. They can go outside for fresh air. They get more family support. Uh, pets are welcome. Dr. Bruce Leff from Johns Hopkins, one of the nation's leading gerontologists, believes that up to 40% of acute care patients could be healed at home. You know, hospitals are dangerous places. You really don't want to be in them if you don't have to be. So let's get patients that don't need IC level care back home to heal. Why not? Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Gary, what, what's your take on hospital at home programs and why are they the uh, care delivering innovation darling right now? Well, at the top of this, a crisis accelerates existing trends rather than starting new ones. And this is a good example. Uh, Dave laid out this framework of maturation of services industries. And in this case, there was a lot of attention to home care over the last 10 years. COVID just accelerated it. And in the eye of the investor in particular, uh, they connected the dots said, hmm, patients really don't want to go visit a physician or go to the hospital, so they prefer to stay at home. Uh, probably true for the reasons that, that Dave mentioned. The cost issue is another matter. I mean, obviously, it seems like it'd be much less expensive to be in your home than to be in a hospital bed. Sometimes home care can be pretty expensive. I know in, the, in my personal case with my mother, uh, it wasn't inexpensive to do that. So the question is, can people afford it or what level can people afford? The other main factor I think here is technology today in the form of sensors, in the form of ability to gather data, makes home care a lot more attractive and safer because you can actually track the patient at home. And I think we'll see over the next five years an explosion in sensors and data collection mechanism. That's one thing that's really attractive to investors because they see it as a technology play on a Got on it. a needed uh, Dave, service. anything to add to Gary's comments, especially anything on the investor angle? Yeah, I I think the market is once again sending us a, a pretty strong uh, signal uh, with regard to um, to home care. Um, you're seeing many of the vertically integrated health systems uh, partnering with specialized home care companies to deliver a whole range of, of home care services, the most intense of which would be the hospital at home services. Um, so Mayo Clinic is... Uh, teamed up with um, uh, Medically Home. Uh, Fairview recently announced that they're teaming up with Accent Care. Uh, Contessa, a Tennessee-based company, provides hospital home services for Mount Sinai and, and several other systems. So we're seeing a lot of movement into that area, a lot of growth among those companies. Uh, COVID has accelerated that. And just like in other areas, uh, 
loosening up on the uh, regulatory payment mechanisms is 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 fueling the growth. Um, so just like with telemedicine, uh, CMS is now reimbursing hospitals at home uh, like it. Uh, you know, like it happened in the hospital. Uh, and the question is whether that will continue after we get through COVID or not. Uh, many are pushing for that. I think the more interesting question, and we're going to get into the future here, is as payment models shift uh, toward capitation um, and then, you know, treating people earlier and better uh, becomes the desirable outcome. I think in that in those models, uh, home care uh, is uh, is ideally suited uh, because it just generates creates so much value. Got it. Thanks, Dave. Both you guys uh, talked about COVID and how that playing into this formula. Gary, can you pick up and run with this notion of necessity being the mother of invention and connect the dots between COVID and home care? Yeah, let me do that. Let me start first about 90 years ago when Blue Cross was actually created. And it was created, obviously, to provide hospital insurance. Interestingly enough, over this 90-year interim period, the health system has continued to be oriented around hospitals and institutional care. And in certain circumstances, obviously, it's necessary certain types of surgery, for example. The other point to be made on the providers, on the actual physician side is, you know, it's a lot more fun to operate on someone than to go visit them at home, perhaps. And so I think that what we've seen is, from the standpoint of the providers, let's do what's the most interesting for us to do rather than what might be the best for any individual patient. That's obviously changing, and the incentive structure drives the system. And we've seen an incentive structure for inpatient care. We're seeing that beginning to change. I think we will, over the next uh, five or ten years, see more dramatic change in the incentive structure, in part because as Dave mentioned, people would rather be at home than in the hospital. Hospitals are dangerous places, uh, high risk uh, in a number of ways, and uh, they're no fun. So let's stay at home. There's still issues to be worked out. Uh, but when COVID comes, just to tie that in, Dave, when COVID comes, uh, then people are even more afraid to go to visit their doctor, to go into a hospital, much rather stay at home. And that ties in with the advancements in technology. Uh, the physician can actually talk to the person at home and get a feel for home environment. Uh, how is that patient faring? Again, sensors, data, capabilities now to collect data from the home setting will allow the provider to monitor the health of the patient or progress of the patient a lot more directly than in the past. So I think COVID has been a boost. As it's boosted telehealth, it's boosted the visibility for where healthcare could fit and how it could fit. Again, tying to investors, they see that as a gap in healthcare, and they see it's a chance to tie technology to services, which, of course, they love. We'll see 
over the next 10 years or so, a lot of movement. I see Amazon is now uh, has a has had a home care program for its employees uh, for some time and now is moving or expanding into the state of Washington. So you're seeing one of the big tech players get involved, and um, it is a gap. And the current providers have been slow to the to the market on this one. So uh, I think we'll see home care grow substantially over the next ten years. Got it. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Dave, what's happening at the intersection of COVID and home care? And how's that relationship going to change home care, you know, five, 10 years from now? I think Gary covered the the COVID relationship pretty well. Uh, You know, patients that don't need the hospital that we can monitor at home uh, create capacity to treat those that do need the hospital. Uh, that's that's probably the, the biggest advantage. It builds flex into the system. But Gary's two other points on technology and incentive structures, I think, are, are spot on. Uh, and when you think of, of home care overall, it's a pretty broad spectrum. We've focused for the most part in this discussion um, on the hospital at home, which is the most intensive form of, of home care. But there's also this concept of aging in place, which really talks more about blending social care with health care to just allow people uh, as they age to lead more productive, higher quality lives. And uh, Fresenius uh, did a study or sponsored a study out recently about aging in place that said two in three Americans want to age in place at home, but only one in three have the capacity to age in home. And there might even be more movement in this area than in the hospital at home area where there is also going to be a lot of movement. A pretty good friend of mine is a BCG partner, John Kaplan, and he's expert in home care. He talks about a day in the not too distant future. If you're an elderly person, maybe even suffering from a little dementia, all these people start showing up at your house. You know, it's someone to lift up your rug that poses a, a danger, someone to deliver your food, a, a kid from the local high school to provide some sociability experiments, someone checking in on your mental health, uh, somebody uh, delivering your medication, so on and so forth. So this whole stream of people, and you won't even necessarily know where they're coming from or how they're all interacted, but somebody who is overall in a holistic way worried about your um, care is is driving all of that. And uh, uh, John, uh, among his many uh accomplishments is he helped redesign um, the business model of Emeticis, uh, which has completely transformed itself into this sort of blended social care, healthcare type company and really engaged its own workers in better frontline care. And uh, John helped recruit uh, Paul Cusero, uh, uh, another good friend. In fact, Paul and I used to work together, who runs uh, Emeticis and has sort of overseen this um, stratospheric rise in their their value in the company's value based on this premise basically that better home care is possible and that's what people want so why not give it to them no that's that's great thanks dave uh everything from high tech to low tech right uh, <laughs> exactly gary any, <laughs> anything to add to dave's comments well i like the idea of somebody checking on my mental health frequently i think that's a good thing <laughs> That's our job, Gary. That's why we do this uh, once once a week. <laughs> I got it. Very good. 
Keep it up, fellas. Gary. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about next week. Gary, what what's the word next week in healthcare? Uh, what will what will we uh, all be talking about? Probably a Supreme Court nominee, I would think. The president says he's going to nominate somebody, I, I guess, over the weekend. And a lot of the focus is going to be on how a conservative Supreme Court justice is going to vote on the uh, ACA suit. Dave, what's the big healthcare headline next week? What should we be watching for? I agree with uh, with Gary. I think uh, the future of the Affordable Care Act is is going to be front and center, uh, if for no other reason, the, the day after the election, if it ever ends, right after the election ends, whenever that is, the Supreme Court is is going to take up this uh, challenge to the to the ACA that I think most legal scholars, liberal and conservative, is, is thought was kind of kind of wacko. Uh, it basically says that because the individual mandate went away, therefore the entire law has to go away. And of, of course, Congress didn't do that, could have done it, didn't do it. And it all hinges on the the definition of of the word shall in a in one of the clauses in the how, how long was the ACA? You know, several thousand pages. And so I think most people didn't think that was a serious threat, but the uh, government has chosen really not to defend the ACA. And it got through at the appellate court level with a three-dudge panel. It's now going to the whole appellate. So, um, and now the Supreme Court is taking it up. So uh, it's, it's kind of anybody's guess. And the Biden campaign is signaling they're going to go hard after this. So the ACA is going to be on everybody's uh, minds and lips, not only next week, but uh, right up through Election Day. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think I'm aging in place just by watching the news every night. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> right. What's the uh, title? Mixologist, right? I think I, I want to see if my health health plan covers that. All right. Uh, great conversation today, guys. Th- thanks again. There you go. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed, uh, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dave Burdock for Foresight Health. 